Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, hey, good morning, church family. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says this, starting in verse 16, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Paul, Paul says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Church, he says, uh, we're, we're to be pitied. Like, if, if Jesus is here just to help us with, with five ways to succeed or ten ways to have a better this or that or, or whatever else we're trying to pimp Jesus out to be for us, essentially what's happening is we're, we've made Jesus the, the means to some other end instead of making him the end uh, of our lives. And Paul is revealing, church, that, that we have an eternal hope in Jesus. Christ is risen. And if you were here with me right now, I would ask for that echo of he is risen indeed. Today, we're in a moment, we're going to dive into Philippians 3. And in, in Philippians 3, Paul argues that, that Jesus is the one thing of surpassing worth that we should cling to above all else. Uh, one of the positives that has come out of this COVID-19 crisis has been the, the explosion of creativity and innovation and uh, celebration. Uh, if, if for, for some of you, you've already seen uh, uh, John Krasinski from The Office uh, launched SGN, uh, which just stands for some good news. His, his own little YouTube channel with his little homemade sign in the background that his kids put together. Um, and the show is, is, uh, exists sort of to promote uh, good news from all around the globe because let's face it, the entire globe right now is, is starving for good news. Uh, and, and, and I've watched the show, I've watched both episodes and, and where he spot, spotlights these acts of kindness and he heralds uh, the, the good deeds of medical workers and their hard work. He, he does, uh, at one point he does an interview with his office co-star Steve Carell. Uh, uh, on, on episode two, he brings in the, the, uh, much of the cast of Hamilton to perform for a little girl who, who couldn't uh, make one of one of the show the Hamilton shows and so it, it's fun it, it's creative it's a reminder uh, that, that that sort of when, when the world reminds us that it's broken um, and not as it should be man like we we long for good news 
But Scripture reveals that all other good news, church family, pales in comparison with the good news of Jesus. Uh, gee, only, only Christ crucified and, and, and raised offers this, the, the world something eternally good. Something that, that doesn't just impact the right now, but, but it impacts life beyond broke, the, the brokenness that we're experiencing now and even beyond, beyond death. So if you got your Bibles, I, I want to invite you to turn to Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And I'm going to read it, and then I, I want to pray as we dive in. Paul says this, Philippians 3, 7, Whatever gain, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him, in the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship uh, may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Church family, y'all pray with me now. Lord, God, we thank You for this Word. God, we thank You for Your Word. And we thank You for the Gospel. Today we're praising You, Jesus, for the hope that we have in the resurrection. And even now, God, we pray that you would open us up to the resurrection power that we have available to us. We're asking uh, that you would open our, our eyes and, and our ears and our, our hearts to your word this morning. And ultimately, Spirit of God, as you ignite and as you spark your word, point us, direct us, guide us to the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Change us, Lord, for your glory. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Today I want to look, as we, as, we, as we dive into Philippians 3, I want to look at three Resurrection Sunday truths from Philippians 3. And the first thing as we look at verses 7 and 8, I want to say this. To really live, live like the gains are already gone. Verses 7 and 8 say, Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See, Paul, Paul mentions Jesus either by name or by pronoun nine times in these five verses. Like, like it is no mystery what his focal point is here. But, but interestingly, he, he busts out like this, this sort of accounting terminology and he starts talking about losses and gains. And, and, and if you think about it, people, like we do this all the time, right? When we're making decisions or comparing things, we, we bust out the, the pros and the cons list. Um, we, we have our pros and cons list. Uh, college girls, right? Like, I, I, I know, I know y'all don't want to admit it, but you do this, right? You, you know, pros, like, 
uh, okay, he's, a, he's an engineering major. He's got a, he's got a, a decent GPA. He's got an athletic build. Uh, he's a good conversationalist. Oh, oh, and he attends RCB. Okay, I'm in, right? We do that. So, so for Paul, in verses 1 through 6, he, he had already sort of gone through the pros of, of his own personal life. He, he had talked about his status and his titles and his accomplishments and all his achievements. But then Paul, he sort of, he flips the script and he says, actually, you know what? Those gains, man, they're, they're loss. And, and all these things that I used to think went in the credit column, they're actually in the debit column. And only Jesus remained. Because Jesus, for Paul, Jesus' worth was better. Jesus surpassed all of it. And in fact, Paul, he goes on to say, for Jesus, I've, I've given it all up. I've lost it all. And I count it all as rubbish. I count it all as garbage. And it, it's, it's, it's interesting. The, see, our English word do, doesn't really, the, the English translation really doesn't do justice uh, to the Greek word. This Greek word, skubala, that, that was uh, a vulgar expletive in, in the Greek language, because Paul is trying to make a, a, a pretty graphic point. See, it's, it's like this. A, a, around our household, with four boys who are all under the age of 12, like uh, potty humor uh, is, is sort of par for the course, um, much to the dismay of me and Steph. Uh, giddy, giddy laughs break out uh, at the mention of poop with four boys. Uh, in our household, uh, C-R-A-P uh, is, is not allowed, but even the twins in fifth grade are already realizing that that's not, it's not really a bad word. But see, there, there's another word for poop uh, that, let me tell you, it would elicit a swift and severe punishment uh, from daddy if it was, if it was used. That's the word that Paul uses here. To, to put it bluntly, and no, I won't use the word, Paul says, hey, listen, compared to Jesus, everything else I have is, is a steaming pile of excrement. Matthew sixteen twenty six says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And forfeits his soul. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, church family, this, this crisis has exposed the things that we've been living for. Straight up. That, see, that wealth, for many, that wealth was cut in half in a matter of days. So that, that, that position that people were living for, and they had, see, we've been living in this time of prosperity where, where employment was great, and then like that, those unemployment numbers just this week hit 10 million, and they're still soaring. And for many who, who have jobs, they're fearful of losing their jobs right now. Yeah, for you know, for those who've been seeking after that idol of success, what does success look like if you don't have your health? And no, like hear my heart, like I, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I'm just saying this crisis has exposed us. See, living for the stuff of this world is not really living at all. Scripture says in James four fourteen that life life is a vapor. 
And so we've got to quit living for the mist and we've got to press on to the Messiah. To, to really live, you've got to live like those, those gains are already gone. Second thing, second Resurrection Sunday truth, is you look at verse 9. You've got to know that to know Christ, you need the righteousness of Christ. See, uh, verse, verse 9 says this, in, that I may be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, church, the, the lie of Satan is that God should answer to you and not you to God. And, and so the, the rebellion is on. Uh, created beings... We, we think that we know better than the Creator and all it does is it leads us down this path of, of sin and, and brokenness and separation from, from God and from others. And it's only when the Spirit of God gets a hold of us that real change and real transformation can take place. And so as, as we come to grips with, with the depth of our own sinfulness and selfishness, we're, we're faced with this daunting question, how can I be made right with God? And the answer is you can't. But Jesus can. And He, and he did for you. H.A. Ironside says this, when we rest in Christ, our confidence in the flesh is forever ended. J. Vernon McGee said Paul had given up his claim to all of his own righteousness. He'd given up his claim to all of his own righteousness. And the question is, have you? Have you done that? You say, you say you want Jesus, but are you willing to repent? Are you willing to turn away from your rebellion against God? And, and, and I know, see, um, at this point, some would object and, and they would say, what, like, what are you talking about? I, I'm not, like, I haven't rebelled against God. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a good person. Like, I, I, I give, I, I treat others well, I, I, I serve, I, I do good deeds, uh, Tim Keller, in his book, Prodigal God, he, he reminds us that rebellion against God actually has two faces. See, one face is that of the younger brother in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. And, and his, his rebellion had this face of so, sort of this hedonistic plunge in, into defiance and, and darkness. And, and it was just obvious like that this cat was running from God but the other face of rebellion is is a little more subtle and it's a little more sinister and it's the face of the elder brother who who disdained man he hated the mercy of God when it was poured out on his little bro and, and all the while like he was clinging to his own goodness and so the truth is and hear me is that you can actually rebel against God by relying on your own good works and by relying on your own self-righteousness instead of trusting in the righteousness of Jesus in your place. So how, how does, think about this, how do you 
become, how does one become a Christian? Well, you need the righteousness of Jesus. That's the truth that verse 9 is alluding to. See, Paul says that this comes through faith. We get the righteousness of Jesus through faith. Through trusting in His life of obedience in your place. Through trusting in His sacrificial death that, that covers and that forgives your sin. Through trusting in His resurrection that empowers you to conquer sin and, and even death in your own life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, By grace you've been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is, it is the, the gift of God. It's the work of God, not a result of our own work so that we can't boast. See, you can't get to God through the law. See, the law only reveals, it just reveals the righteous standard of God. It actually exposes us. It exposes our sin. But in so doing, it, it, it's, it's a grace because it reveals our need for salvation. And ultimately, it points us, the law points us to Jesus. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Uh, Tony Marita puts it like this. Salvation doesn't depend on your record, not on your rank, not on your ethnicity, your religious attendance, or your good deeds. It depends on faith alone in Christ's perfect work alone. Justification is just a fancy word for being made right with God. That's God's work. It's secured by Christ's death and it's appropriated by faith so to know christ you need the righteousness of christ in your place third resurrection sunday truth that i want to share this morning is this it's been we find it in verse 10 and 11 to to persevere through suffering you you need resurrection power you need the resurrection power of christ verse 10 and 11 says this that i may know him talking about Jesus, in the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings becoming like Him in His death that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, like we all like that part about the resurrection, getting that resurrection power. Uh, we just tend to gloss over that piece about sharing in the sufferings and becoming like Jesus in His death. But, but think, about, think about that statement. Church, what, what was Jesus like in His death? Well, He was gracious. Even in death, He was still focused on others. As he, as he pardoned the thief, as He made sure that His mother was taken care of by, by the Apostle John, as he, as he forgave the crowds, as they mocked Him and, and hurled insults at Him. What was Jesus like in His death? He was sacrificial. He, he sacrificed everything. He, he laid down the stuff of this life and was even willing to lay down His life to the point of death for the sake of others. And, and, and most of all, in death, hear me, Jesus was completely dialed in to glorifying the Father in walking in, in obedience to His will. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12.2 It says, for the glory set before Him, church. Jesus, listen, He endured the suffering because He knew this truth. He saw that the resurrection was right around the corner. Like if if you're watching with a, with with family or with a spouse or with roommates or or, or, or a buddy, uh, th- this is where I would have you turn to a neighbor and say, "Hey, the resurrection is right around the corner. It's coming." And it's interesting because in verse ten in the Greek, when Paul says we share this 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 life and we share even the suffering of Jesus and in the death of Jesus. Uh, the, the, the Greek word for sharing is this word koinonia. Um, often it's translated as fellowship. But it's this idea of a shared life. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know what you think of or think about when you hear the word fellowship, but right now, kind of in this era of, of because I feel like it's become an era of, of social distancing uh, and, and uh, shelter in place, like, when I think of fellowship, then I think of our first Sunday fellowships. Like, I think about throwing down burgers and watermelon out at the Boguses. Like, I, I think about our family meetings where we come together and we pray and we share with one another and we eat overpriced uh, H-E-B sandwiches. Uh, I think about my wife's uh, Texas sheet cake that she fixes for our small group before we dive into the Word together. But listen, I want to tell you, Fellowship with Jesus is more than a potluck, right? It's, it's, this, it's not just a potluck, it's a willing, willingness to be poured out in this life for the sake of the Gospel. In, in American culture where our sort of health and wealth have become idols, like we, we have this malnourished theology of suffering. We've got to come back to this understanding that suffering, listen, it can be a a divine gift if we use it to heighten our sense of fellowship with Jesus, whom, whom Scripture says in Isaiah 53 was a man of sorrows. He was a man who was acquainted with grief. See, Paul, of all people, man, the Apostle Paul, he knew church family of suffering. But he looked beyond suffering to the power of the resurrection and to that final salvation that was to come. His hope was in the resurrection. And that resurrection power transformed him and it sustained him and it, and it drove him forward in his mission and in his calling. Church, we, like, we, we forget that we carry around in us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Ephesians 1.19 It's a power that strengthens us and enables us to persevere through the hardships of this life. And see, through it all, Paul's one ambition, church, his one ambition was to know Christ. Not not just with head knowledge, but to experientially to know Jesus. J.I. Packer says this, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place on their own accord. I want to close with this today. Church, Jesus 
is alive. I want to read a few passages. Job 19.25 says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last He will stand on the earth. Romans 6, 4, and 5 says this, We were buried with Him, therefore, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. And then John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. See, later in Philippians 3, Paul would say this in verses 20 and 21. He would say this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior who is Christ Jesus the Lord who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. See, Philippi was a Roman colony. It was, it was uh, a little Rome, but when crisis and even persecution hit the church, they didn't think like Romans. They thought and they, they behaved like Christians. They understood that in trials there was this opportunity to give the world uh, this, this glimpse of the kingdom, to give the world a glimpse of the gracious character of God, to live like a citizen of heaven. So let this, church family, let this COVID-19 crisis be a reminder that the, the world in its current state is not your home. Let this crisis create in you a longing for the coming of Christ and His kingdom. Trust that the the power that raised Jesus from the dead is, is transforming you right now and ultimately will transform you completely and fully when you meet Jesus face to face. C.S. Lewis says this, if you read history, He says this in Mere Christianity. If you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Man, what a powerful statement. Church, the tomb is empty. Christ is risen. Live like those gains are gone. Trust in the righteousness of Jesus in your place. Don't trust in your own righteousness. And know that the resurrection empowers us to persevere through any trial, even the current one. God bless you this Easter. Church family, Christ is risen And right where you are, I would ask for that echo, Christ is risen indeed.